Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. For all of recorded history, humans have looked to the sky for answers to our most important questions. What time is it? What's the weather like? What is humanity's place in the universe? Now, that last one is a bit tougher to answer. But the point is, as largely earthbound creatures, people have always been fascinated by the mysteries of space. And that certainly was the case in May of 1910, when Halley's Comet was hurtling towards Earth. Now, if you're not familiar, Halley's Comet is a regular visitor to our solar system, passing by Earth once every 75 years or so. But we didn't always know that. Records about a fiery ball shooting through the sky can be found as far back as ancient Babylon. However, it wasn't until 1705 that British mathematician Edmund Halley realized that we were looking at the same comet every three quarters of a century. And now that comet's named after him. But there's something else that you should know about Edmund Halley. He didn't think the comet came just because. He thought its appearance coincided with significant world events, most famously the Battle of Hastings in 1066, when William the Conqueror took control of England. Because of this, Halley's Comet became known as a harbinger of political and social upheaval. So, in 1910, people were primed and ready to believe the comet would have some kind of effect on life on Earth. Let me set the stage. This was 47 years before the launch of Sputnik, and 59 years before Neil Armstrong stepped foot on the moon. Humans were still decades away from reaching space, but science was rapidly advancing, and Halley's Comet was a point of study. That spring, as numerous scientists tracked the comet's approach, a French astronomer named Camille Flammarion noticed something. According to his calculations, Halley's Comet was going to pass closer to Earth than ever before, so close that our planet was going to pass through the comet's tail, which might not sound like a big deal, except Flammarion had also discovered evidence of cyanogen gas in the comet's tail. Cyanogen gas is similar to cyanide. It's extremely toxic and often deadly. And what did Flammarion do with this information? He published it in the New York Times, along with a warning that the dangerous gas could, and I quote, impregnate the atmosphere and possibly snuff out all life on the planet. But like, no reason to panic, right? Of course, people freaked out. Some families used caulk, towels, and newspapers to try to insulate their homes so that that toxic air couldn't get inside. Others removed lightning rods from their houses for fear that they would attract the comet even closer to Earth. Soon, other scientists spoke out against Flammarion's claims assuring the public that there wasn't enough cyanogen gas in the comet's tail to hurt anybody. But by then, the damage had already been done. And whether sickness, real or imagined, 
someone will inevitably show up peddling a miracle cure. In the wake of this cosmological panic, gas masks flew off the shelves so fast that store owners couldn't keep them in stock. Advertisements for comet-proof umbrellas showed up in the newspapers. Entrepreneurs even offered anti-comet pills, which claimed to protect against the effects of cyanogen gas. People bought these at a dollar a pop, which would be roughly 30 bucks per pill today, a small price to save you and your family from a ball of toxic space gas. The only problem was this anti-comet cure was just sugar pills in fancy packaging. Luckily, nobody needed protection from Halley's Comet anyway. Flammarion's calculations had been wrong, and the comet tail missed Earth by nearly 200,000 miles. The comet did return to our solar system in 1986, after scientists had learned a lot about the cosmos. And this time, there wasn't a market for gas masks and magic medicine. But 1986 was full of historic landmarks, like the Iran-Contra affair, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, and the nuclear explosion at Chernobyl. Which begs the question, if Halley's Comet really does incite political and social upheaval, who knows what will happen the next time it comes around in 2061. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Many of us grew up hearing the following words from our parents when we hit a certain age. Get a job. If we wanted to go out with our friends or buy a new video game, we needed money. And once we were old enough to get a job, that's how we earned our keep. But at the turn of the 20th century, things looked a lot different for America's youth. Children had been working in dangerous conditions and in jobs that most adults were too scared to take on, either to support themselves or their whole families. Despite what popular movie musicals would have you believe, newspaper boys or newsies weren't just trying to eke out a living by selling papers on the streets. They also worked with organized crime as informants and gophers. Many who tried to hitch free rides on passenger trams would fall and have their arms and legs crushed by the vehicle's wheels, making their lives that much harder. But perhaps one of the most life-threatening jobs held by children, dating all the way back to the 12th century, was that of the chimney sweep. Because of their small size, the young workers would climb into the flues to scrub them clean of soot and ash. In England, they were often bought by adult sweeps from orphanages or kidnapped from their parents. In the United States, many were African-American children. Unsurprisingly, a lot of these kids died from various illnesses and cancers brought on by their work. It wasn't until the National Child Labor Committee was formed in 1904 
that the push to end child labor in America really took off. But one New Yorker didn't get the memo because he needed someone to help clear his chimney, and the only person available for the job was his nephew. In April of 1944, Rose Colgan heard a noise coming from behind her wall. She lived at 1973 Bryant Avenue in an area of the Bronx known as West Farms. Back in the 18th century, this part of New York was a massive farm, belonging to one Theophilus Hunt. And let that sink in for just a moment. It is hard to imagine the Bronx today as nothing but rich soil and grass. But for a very long time, there stood only a couple of houses on the land, not a six-story apartment building. Rose probably would have preferred the sound of the wind blowing across the fields to what she was actually hearing. Someone was crying day and night for help from behind her wall. And Rose, who lived on the first floor, reached out to her building superintendent for help. His name was William Setzer. He looked into the issue and discovered that someone had fallen down the chimney on the roof of the building and had gotten themselves stuck in the walls of Rose's home. Unfortunately, Setzer was too large of a guy to fit down the chimney himself, but he knew someone who was just the right size, his 10-year-old nephew Charles. William tied a rope around Charles's waist and lowered him down into the chimney. All was going well until the boy had descended about 10 feet. Then his own wailing began, because now he too was stuck. His uncle spent 30 minutes tugging at the rope, eventually sliding his nephew back out to freedom. With no other small children to dangle precariously over his building's chimney, Setzer turned to a different kind of professional for help. Another man, name unknown, arrived on the scene with some tools and a little food, hoping that this would do the trick. He entered Rose Cooligan's apartment and cut a small hole into her wall, and then using a little milk and meat, he waited for the interloper to reveal themselves. Soon enough, they appeared. But milk and meat were only part of the equation. You see, this savior with the saw was from the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, and he also brought with him some catnip. The crying that had been keeping Miss Cooligan up for the last few nights had come from a cat who had tumbled down the chimney and gotten himself trapped. He was safely captured and transported to ASPCA headquarters. As for William Setzer and his nephew, it's probably safe to say that neither OSHA nor child services made a visit to their homes. Although I wouldn't be surprised if young Charles had lifelong claustrophobia from that point onward. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.